We're back, back for another pod, back after the Sooners' week four win in Cincinnati, back before they host Iowa State, and back with my friend Todd Lizenby for the ninth episode of the Letterman Jacket Podcast. Todd, what's going on? Uh, you know, just living the dream, uh, enjoying the stories of Skyline Chili from everyone, and excited to be on the ninth episode of the podcast. I mean, here doing our thing. It kind of it feels very midseason right now. It really does. And shoot, we're approaching that. Number nine on the Sooners roster, Gentry Williams, DJ Graham, Kinsey Hansen wears it on the softball field. I know you and I have a mutual appreciation for Rajon Rondo. So nine's a good number. Nine's a good number. We're going to talk about the Sooners. But before we do that, I've got a question for you, Todd. Okay. Have you ever wanted to be like Barry Trammell, our, our friend and colleague here at Sellout Crowd? I, if I ever have to wear glasses, I'm going to wear them just like Barry Trammell. I love the Navy song, Anchors Away, the fight song. But uh, to answer your question, of course, yeah, I'd love to be like Barry Trammell. In some ways, I'm not a big fan of egg roll pizza like he is. Well, you know, nobody's perfect, but he's close. And I think you are you can tell the folks about a way that they can all be like Barry Trammell coming up. That's right. We've got a partnership going on right now with the Bob Moore Auto Group and OBI, the Oklahoma Blood Institute. Barry Trammell has given blood 278 times. He's given blood or platelets in his life to OBI. So we are challenging our audience to be like Barry. And this week we're trying to register 278 new donors at Bob Moore Auto Group locations near you. So all you have to do is go to selloutcrowd.com slash OBI. And if you go to that website, selloutcrowd.com slash OBI, you'll find places where you can sign up. When, When and where you can sign up, just find the one that's most convenient for you and get signed up. And here's the best part about it, Eli. One lucky donor is going to get a 2023 Kia Soul. So it's not like you're just doing this. uh, Well, I mean, you are doing it out of the kindness of your heart, but you could get something for it as well. So uh, it's the best of both worlds. It's a win-win situation. We love a win-win situation. So again, selloutcrowd.com slash OBI. And uh, thanks a lot to the Bob Moore Auto Group and Oklahoma Blood Institute. That's how you can be like Barry, Eli. It's a fabulous cause. I'll be given Thursday. I'll be in Midwest City. Come find me or don't. I don't know how I'll be after giving blood, but it's a very important cause. I'm really glad we are involved in this. And, and please sign up because you make a lot of good with just a, a small donation. So, Todd, I'm glad you you, were, you, you sound like you've done radio for years. You, you got the ad pitch down. Thank you. Thank it's you. Uh, it, it pays off a little bit. Uh, mm. And by the way, I'll be donating on Wednesday as well. So uh, hopefully... You know, maybe you'll catch me out there and hopefully uh, someone's there to catch me if I pass out afterwards. I think I'll be okay. I'll even I'll get over my fear of needles for this one, Eli. Well, Todd, you were up doing radio in Kansas over the weekend. I was in Cincinnati with Barry, with Garen Emig for that OU game. We did try Skyline Chili. Uh, We don't need to get too much into it. I don't think it warrants. uh, Personally, I don't think that chili warrants a whole lot of discussion. That's how I feel about it. Just chili, right? Chili with cinnamon, which I can't say I, I especially appreciated. But I was glad we did it. Their fries and oyster crackers are great. That is my most ringing endorsement of the place, which maybe says something about the chili. But OU Cincinnati Sooners open Big 12 play, do something they couldn't do a year ago, and win their Big 12 opener. They're 4-0 after a game that you know maybe falls in with, with SMU of a game they don't win a year ago. Um, I think Brent Venable said it. They left a lot of meat on the bone. They left some doors open, but ultimately they, they shut down when they needed to. The defense stood out again. Run game a question mark, but they, they got timely touchdowns. They did everything they had to do, and they come home 
for Iowa State, where they'll be twenty point favorites, four and zero, and that's that's huge. Every win at this point, beyond where they were last year, is big. I mean, we're starting to get the question of has this Oklahoma team really been tested by any good team? And you know, I guess my answer to that is, well, that's not really their problem, right? They've taken care of business everywhere they've gone. Uh, it doesn't look like they're gonna be tested this week against Iowa State before the Texas game. So I, you know, I don't know that. I don't know that there's a whole lot of worry. I think a lot of people, though, are still wondering, Eli, like, is this for real? I think there's still a lot of people putting the toe in the shallow end because of the way last year went down, and that's understandable, and I don't think anything's going to happen between now and Texas for people to change their minds on that. Well, some have dipped toes. Some have (laughs) taken the dive in head first on on these four games, and I I think two things can be true. Like, they are certainly better certainly better on defense like that that i think we know for sure we'll see how that holds up against texas or another big offense but they're better the other thing that can be said is that yes they've played two teams in tulsa and smu that they rolled over like they were supposed to and then you know smu got beat over the weekend by tcu they they look just fine cincinnati clearly talented they can run the ball they've moved it um on multiple teams but their red zone finishing is kind of breathtaking in, in how bad it is. Emory Jones, I think, can do a lot with his feet. He's hard to, to get down, but he's not uh, taking the top off of any team. And, and there were just some plays there where I think a better team really could have made the Sooners pay uh, for, for things that Cincinnati couldn't. There was that sequence right before halftime where the Sooners had the ball back with a minute 41. It was a really rough three and out, and, uh, and Josh Plaster's punt set Cincinnati up at the 48. And a better team would have made the Sooners pay for that, would have gone up into halftime tied or with the lead. Instead, Cincinnati got down there, had the missed field goal, and, and the Sooners got off scot-free there. But I, I do think a better team would have made them pay. Fact is, though, outside of Texas, there's not many better teams on the schedule. The schedule is so light, and the Sooners can't do anything about that, and I'm sure they're glad to have it that way. But I, I do think I'd be very curious to see them with a, with a tougher schedule, but we're really not going to get that. Well, I mean – Let's be honest. This is an OU team that would probably be three and one right now if they had the Georgia game on the schedule, like was originally planned, right? I mean, so they they did benefit from that short term. It's obviously going to get a lot tougher next year in the SEC. But um, I I guess my thing is I don't think Oklahoma is as good as Texas right now. I think Texas is pretty clearly the best team in the Big Twelve, uh, just as far as putting games together start to finish. But I don't think there's a whole lot, you know, that's nipping on the heels of Oklahoma there in second right now. Like, I just don't see any team that I trust week in, week out to go get it done in the Big 12. Texas Tech's been a huge disappointment. Uh, Kansas State's had a ton of injury issues, and I know that they're 1-0 in Big 12 play. Maybe they're the one to worry about, but they lost to Missouri for crying out loud. And who loses to Missouri in football, Eli? I mean, my goodness. But it's, I, I just think, even saying that, Right now, if you were to ask me, what do you think Oklahoma's going to do in their ten or their twelve game regular season? And I would say they're going to lose to Texas, and they're going to lose one other game because there are still a few things that creep up from time to time. There certainly are. I mean, you look at the schedule, and you mentioned a Big Twelve that has been pretty unimpressive. I think it's fair to say that Kansas might be the toughest game left on the schedule. Maybe TCU by late November is kind of humming along or something, but after Texas, it really it doesn't get harder. There's not a stretch you look at and say, gosh, how are they going to get through those three games? Maybe because in it, Provo? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think it is that run if you wanted to pick it. Um, but, you know, I think that's what West Virginia, BYU, and and TCU with the trip to Provo in there. That's a rough stretch, but come on, we're going to get to the fact that we're pretty impressed with Neil Brown in a little bit. But I don't think that's like a crazy, scary run where, you know, a few years ago you could have run through at some point. You know, 2021, if you'd had to hit Oklahoma State, Baylor, and right. whoever else, I mean, you were going through some of the top teams in the country. That's not going to be the case this year. That's why, you know, we look at some of the struggles. The run game still needs a lot of sorting out. They haven't found any rhythm there. Uh, the offensive line, you know, again, protecting Dylan Gabriel well, but the run game struggling there. Defensively, pretty sturdy, but we got to see if that, that'll hold up. There's things that, that could go wrong or things that are going wrong that they need to figure out. But the fact is that the teams they're playing, they might be able to get away with a whole lot more than they would have in other seasons. Well, right now, Oklahoma's, uh, you know, in a position where if I, – I don't know, Eli. I just feel like Oklahoma right now is in this position where they could be better, but it's hard to complain. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's a weird spot to be in. I I think there are certainly issues that they have, but I, stay, I think there's still a lot of incomplete for Oklahoma. and I, I I guess that's exciting in one way. I guess it's kind of scary to some fans in another way. But in the Big Twelve, I don't, I don't see how they, how they don't get to a title game. I just feel like all those other teams are going to kind of beat each other because Oklahoma and Texas do have that much more talent. I don't know if you saw, but like Kansas and Utah right now would be the top two, top two uh, ranked Big Twelve teams in next year's Big Twelve. They're like nineteen and twenty three, I think, in the ranking. So. You know, right now, Oklahoma and Texas are, it's the nightmare scenario for Brett Yormark. They are carrying the water for the Big 12 because they are by far, I think, the most talented teams in the conference. It it stands out that way. And, and when you think about where this was two years ago, one of the most competitive conferences in the country to where it is now, you know, I guess you talk about a team like OU that has some flaws. That sound That sounds not like OU teams of the past but a team that has some flaws that has been pretty good and doesn't have much to complain about. That's like most every other program in the country, isn't it? If you root for a program that isn't one of the blue bloods, you know, right. like Ohio state where they want to fire Matt day, uh, Ryan day, who's 49 and six. Um, most other programs deal with maybe some of what OU has right now, which is it's not perfect, but it's chugging along pretty well. And, and they look good through four games. And I think that's gotta be the big takeaway. We're four games into this. And they're further along than they were a year ago, both in their record and what they've done, and certainly on the field. If you, if you came into this year saying they had to be better, turned around, showing something under Brent Venables, I don't know how you could really look at these four games, even with some shortcomings, and say anything otherwise. Well, and I think there's there's a few individuals, like you said, that have stood out uh, much more so than last year, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Danny Stutzman, you know, at the top of that list when you just talk about guys who are racking up tackles, but in that secondary as well. There's been a bunch of guys who have made plays, and it's been a bunch of different guys, which I think has been good to see for Oklahoma as well in the secondary, Eli. I mean, they're, they've got playmakers. They have more guys, seemingly, who can, who can go do something than, than they did a year ago. That sounds kind of you know intangible, but then you watch them, and you see Desan McCullough back last week. Even after you know he played two snaps the first three weeks of the season, came in, played 49. They didn't really have a cheetah backup. They, they rotated him out, but... Um, Justin Harrington is out and he looked good. And he's a guy that when he gets up to speed is going to be a playmaker for this team. Danny Stutzman, Jaron Kanick uh, in the secondary. Key Lawrence has got three takeaways in three games. They've got guys doing things they weren't doing a year ago. 
It's making a difference. It's taking teams out of games. That that defense with the turnovers it produced took Cincinnati out of a game. Cincinnati seemed kind of desperate to take itself out of at times. Uh, and so they've they've moved along. And I, I think the question into the conversation about are they is this defense for real? We may not find out anywhere but Texas because of who they're going to be playing. But four games in, does it feel real to you, this group, and where they're at? Look, man, I don't. I'm going to probably regret this, but it just looks different, Eli. Like, it looks faster. It looks like people know where they're supposed to be. It looks like people aren't playing reactionary as in something happens and then they react. They're there beforehand, right? Like, guys are running to the ball like they haven't done in a long time at Oklahoma. And what's the most, I think, striking thing about it to me is the number of different guys, like you said, that are doing it. It's not just one or two guys that you're seeing make a lot of plays. Like, you know, I remember Kenneth Murray would rack up a lot of tackles, another good number nine, by the way. Uh, but he was he was a guy who put up a lot of big numbers on a defense that wasn't very good. We're seeing this at all three levels. There are guys making plays, and I think it is exciting, right? But I'm with you. I don't think we're really going to know until we – Suit up at 11 a.m., baby. 11 a.m. at the Red River rivalry, shootout, kickoff, whatever we call it now. Well, today is just – so October 7th, obviously, is is Red River, OU Texas. Today is as important a day on the calendar because it's the day when the thing we know to be true all year becomes official when they announce an 11 a.m. kick for OU Texas, which is like the most telegraphed thing. Everyone knows when that game is going to start. But today's Monday. We're recording on a Monday, and it is now official – uh, that Red River is going to be the morning kick on uh, on the seventh. Uh, I think you're you're right. I mean, the defense you, you run through some of the rankings and and they're what I think thirty second in yards per game, twenty sixth in run de- uh, run defense, third down they're eleventh. I mean, these are all the indicators of a defense that is better, and and all of that should be what Brent Venables is selling from the jump when he's up at that podium, telling everybody about how much better this defense is because it's that's his unit. Ted Roof's here, but that's his unit. It's what he's going to be judged against. And so far, it's been good. And I could sit there and point out that two of those games were Tulsa and Arkansas State and that Cincinnati really didn't exploit any of the stuff that, that OU left for them. But the fact is, numbers are the numbers. What, is, uh, what did Parcell say? Records who you say you are. I botched that completely. You, you are what your record says you are. As you are. Man. Yeah. Um, but the fact is, that's those are the numbers right now, and and for a defense that was so far off of this pace last year, hanging in the bottom third of the country in all those categories, they're a lot farther along, and that that should be encouraging. I would just say this, Eli. I'm not going to say that they're a top ten defense or they're an elite defense yet, but and and look, you could even argue that this has been against bad competition, but they didn't do well against bad competition last year. So exactly. I think they're at least improved, right? I, even if it is an average defense. That's going to be an improvement from what Oklahoma's had in the past. So, I mean, it's your Rome wasn't built in a day. It's going to be a gradual increase, and I think you're definitely starting to see that right now. That's a Danny Stutzman quote right there. Rome wasn't built in a day. He said oh, that really said that in the tunnel after uh, Texas Tech last year, and it, it certainly drew some attention. But I think right now we're seeing uh, the, the fruits of that. That the process here and, and him in particular. Ted Roof said on Saturday, I don't think he's, a, he said, I've not seen a guy uh, take a year one to year two jump and a progression in a system like I have Danny Stutzman. It's showing, and I think we talked about him on this podcast, is the connective tissue for this defense a couple of weeks ago. 
he's been that. And if that's going to be the guy who's, who's at the heart of everything, you want him playing like Danny Stutzman is right now. I would agree. Uh, by the way, that Jaron Canick injury Saturday was scary. It sounded – so the, the news there, I mean, he, he made a tackle, then sort of went to the ground. He tried to stay on for a play, but went to the ground, helped off the field, uh, then was on a cart. Some people spotted him coughing up blood. He was having trouble catching his breath. Uh, evaluated by local medical professionals, taken to the hospital, according to Brent Venables, and then released. So he flew home with the team Saturday night. And the impression was that it maybe seemed more serious initially than it ultimately was. They took all the proper precautions. Uh, we'll see, you know, what the status is for this week. Is this a game they want to rush him back for? Where does he stand? You know, even, you know, I'll be at practice in a few hours. We'll see if he's out there. Um, certainly a chest injury, nothing you want to rush, uh, particularly given what we kind of heard or, or saw of him coming off the field. But an interesting one there. They've developed the depth behind Jaron Canick. It might get tested if he's got to miss a little bit of time. Um, and that takes us to Iowa State, where the Sooners, unbeaten, come in as 20-point favorites per Bovada this weekend at Owen Field. And, you know, it's an Iowa State team that I think a lot of folks were writing off, maybe the way they are writing off of Oklahoma State now, but that's because Iowa State, uh, in in that, that game they played uh, in, in Ames last weekend, where Oklahoma State went up there, would have thought maybe that was going to be their get-right game. And instead, Iowa State... Uh, sort of took them apart, and and the over. I think you said it. The over there, over under there, was going to be a total trap. Game went over in the first half. It was over for the Cowboys later in that game. But Iowa State looking a bit stronger as they come to Norman. Yeah, I don't, I don't think Iowa State's very good. Um, but I, I still don't. I don't think Matt Campbell like forgot how to coach, right? I mean, the guy can still coach. I'm sure he can put together a game plan, especially defensively. You know that he can put together a game plan. He's done that in the past. So if he figures something out this week, he's going to be a tough coach to beat. And Iowa State's always a tough out, you know, because they've got that on their sideline. So should Oklahoma go in and win the game? Yes, they should. I think the biggest question mark is going to be, you know, Ollie Gordon, Oklahoma State, a struggle rushing the ball. Ollie Gordon had a 71-yard run ran for, I think, 126 against the Cyclones. Will this be a week, finally, where Oklahoma feels like they get right in the ground game? And I think kind of a sidebar to that is who's going to get the carries in the ground game, right? Which is still yep. a question mark. I mean, we still don't know on that on that one. I, I mean, I guess we know, but do we know? I don't know. What do you think? Do you know? Uh, I don't know if they know uh, over, you know, down in Norman in, in those football offices. Fact is, Iowa State comes with the best pass defense in the in the Big 12. So even in a year where Iowa State's down and has all those other problems, they still look like an Iowa State defense. But they're not stopping the run like they have in the past. And you, you mentioned it, Oklahoma State broke off some big ones. And if unless Oklahoma's going to pass around a really great defense, and that, that'll be the story of Saturday, they're going to have to figure out how to run the ball and just get something going. I think we've talked about for a few weeks that with this passing attack where it is, the run game doesn't need to be going for 300 yards a day. They just need to to give some production that, that keeps the defense honest and, and helps them move the ball. And we don't really have answers. We're four games into this thing, and we've seen everyone get their shot. You know, Tawi Walker and Marcus Major were, were the only backs used against Cincinnati. Gavin Sawchuk, Javante Barnes didn't come off the bench. Um, that was the exact opposite of the week before at Tulsa. Um, the fact is, they haven't found a consistent runner. If you dive into it, they haven't really given anyone a chance to find a rhythm. 
Uh, Marcus Major's 15-carry day at Cincinnati came after no carries uh, against Tulsa. Javante Barnes, he's carried 13 times against Arkansas State and Tulsa. After Arkansas State, two carries against uh, SMU, nothing against Cincinnati. So they're, they've got guys, and we've seen it. No one's been super-duper impressive. I think Tawi Walker still kind of continues to pass the eye test more than anybody else. But the fact is they don't have a consistent run game yet, in part because they don't have consistent runners. And he asked Jeff Levy about it, and it still sounds like a week-to-week game plan kind of thing. And there's got to come a point, you would think, where they've got to settle on somebody. But if you ask me who's going to be the starting running back on Saturday with Iowa State, I might lean Marcus Major, but I really couldn't tell you anybody because it's been such a mixed bag. I would just say, you ever have a, own a waterbed, Eli? I have not had the pleasure to own a waterbed, no. Okay. You know, if you, like, jump onto a waterbed, it just kind of ripples out. <laughs> so if anyone's laying on the other side, like, they feel the wave eventually, right? And I think it's the same with an offensive line. Like, that's the beginning of the ripple. And Oklahoma has just not been consistent up front this year. They've had moments where they've been really good and where you can see the potential this offensive line has. And I figured by now they would gel and be more consistent running the ball and more consistent getting push each and every play. But it just goes in waves, and that's not good enough. And I think that's – to me, that's the biggest issue. Um if your offensive line is consistent and has things figured out, Oklahoma has four guys that should be able to carry the ball with pretty decent success against the competition they played against, and they haven't gotten that so far. So that's where I kind of place the blame right now, where the lion's share of the blame. I'm sure it's more than just them, because I really do think, Eli, Oklahoma has had, through four games, incredible blocking on the edge from wide receivers. Mm -hmm. It's a big part of what they do offensively, and – Right now, in big situations, they're leaning on wide receivers to throw big blocks instead of offensive linemen sometimes. you know. And so I, that's not a good place to be in against teams like Texas who have the speed out on the edge that you can't do that with. And, you know, it, you, you mentioned that O-line. I mean, it's been – I think they would tell you that they've not been where they want to be in the run game. But the fact is, beyond the left guard spot, they've been healthy. It's not a case – you know, you look at Oklahoma State, you could point to that offensive line and injuries and things like that as a reason. There's no glaring issue there for the Sooners. In the backfield, they're perfectly healthy. They've got, you know, experience and athleticism with Marcus Major. They've got two really promising former four stars in, in the, the young running backs. Tawi Walker's been great. So there's not a place you'd look and just say that's been the big issue. I'm, I'm with you on the, the, the run blocking. It could be better, but they don't have some big black hole that is holding this running game back. It just seems like collectively, whether it's the way they're operating in terms of who's getting carries and when and finding rhythm, whether it's that O-line, whether it's the play calling with Jeff Levy, they haven't found it yet. They don't need to go too far. They don't need, as we said, to, to be you know the, the best running offense in the country or even the Big 12, but they need something because if you dive into the numbers from the weekend, you can see where a rough first half really hurt them on first downs and just not being able to, to get anything and putting them in second and longs relative to the second half where they ran a bit better, they were more productive, and the offense moved. And so it's, it's something they've got to sort out. This might be an opportunity this weekend where they're going to have to attack um, on the ground and, and try to get somewhere. We'll see if it produces much anything. To this point, they haven't found those answers. Around the Big 12, a lot going on. Not a lot of good. They're, I mean, now they're just beating up on each other. They're not losing non-conference games. Yikes. You know, again, more teams we think are good. BYU. If they'd kind of kept it up, 
they would have crept into the conversation, not at the top of the conference, but, you know, the same same real estate that Kansas is in right now. You might have had BYU in. They can't get a win. Uh, West Virginia puts Tech further into kind of the what feels like an, an early grave for this season of, of what they've lost, especially with some of the injuries. A lot going on in the conference, not a lot of it good. No, and, uh, you know, I – Right now, the argument is a lot tougher for who's the worst team in the conference and who's the best team in the conference, and that's not a good thing. So um, not a lot of good going up in Stillwater either. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. We've got a delivery man. <laughs> bear? We've got a delivery man here. Uh, not a whole lot of good going up in Bear. 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 I'll just talk over him. Not a whole Maybe. lot of good going on in Stillwater either. Uh, it's it's pretty tough right now. I'm going to mute my mic and you talk while I settle this dog down, Eli. All right. Well, I'll give uh, Neil Brown his flowers at West Virginia because he showed up to Big 12 media days and they were picked last in the conference. I think the open understanding around college football was that, you know, he's coming in on the hot seat, new AD, the whole thing. And, uh, and he came to Big 12 media days in Arlington over the summer basically said i'm you know offended and, and bothered and we're gonna be a lot better than everyone thinks we are just watch bear's still going but and so is neil brown neil brown's <laughs> they were gonna be good and everyone kind of rolled their eyes and laughed and here they are uh they've got a couple good wins they are at the very least not looking like the bottom of the big 12 and neil brown might be doing a good enough coaching job um to save his job the guy i feel bad for is whoever Again, it's the presumption that Ren, Ren Baker, the new AD, was going to go get his own guy at some point because he didn't hire Neil Brown. Whoever Ren Baker, you know, wink, wink, said, hey, when, when this goes down, when we're able to you know, make this move, you'll be the guy. That person might be uh, not in trouble now, but that open job at West Virginia might not be open uh, at the end of the season like we all thought it would be. Do you want to say hi to Bear? I would love to say hi to Bear. Bear, come here. Come here. Hop up here, buddy. This is Bear. Oh this my bear. goodness. Bear's a bear's a rambunctious little boy. And bear, say hello to the letterman jacket. Say hello. All right. Okay, Bear. Down, buddy. Out. Out. Thank you. No, he's not gonna All need right. to see. No, no, that doesn't mean bark. It just means leave. All right. This is, he, hey, this is this is live, baby. You do that you charge? Does he what? Does he take the same guest fee that you charge to come on? Because I can't, <laughs> I, I can't, can't swing that man. Uh, Bear is Bear is a legend around the neighborhood, uh, mainly because he likes to get out and he is a he's way faster than I am. His open field speed is elite. We'll like, just say that. Julio Farouk kind of good. Yeah, I'm, there might be somebody breaking in. I don't know. <laughs> Well, we'll get you out of here. We're going to finish out with a game of Liz in or Liz out uh, to finish this one off before we uh, we dive fully into Iowa State week. So, Todd, if you can, if, if you're wrangling bear, but if we can make it through this. First All right, we got it. I'm just going to set him down next to me. Chill out, buddy. Ryan Day versus Lou Holtz. You Liz in or Liz in on the weirdest beef anyone could have imagined in college football. Listen, Ryan Day should be – apologizing for trying to act like we don't all know that he uses hair dye in his beard. It's the word. It's like the Billy Mays school of hair dyeing his beard. Ryan day's a goofball. 
Ohio State's really good. I think he's a pretty good coach. He's a goofball. It's a little weird that between him and the Washington State coach calling out Lee Corso that people are just going after senior citizens this weekend. It's kind of crazy to me, but <laughs> I guess I'm Liz out on going after Lou Holtz. The man's a national treasure, even if he has said some really goofy things in the past. Yeah, I, you know, I think the positive, and I don't know if it's the Dion fe- effect or the social media effect or whatever, all these coaches who used to be like, yeah, we don't read, you know, I don't read the paper, I don't read what people say. They now all are very clearly on top of everything. And I will, I'm with you. I'm probably out on Ryan Day making up, you know, fake people who are against him. But I am pro college football coaches getting away from coach speak and giving us a piece of their mind. Of course you are. You're a writer. That's your whole job is to bait them into saying things that embarrass them. Right. That's, that is actually (laughs) what I wake up every day to do. You're spot on. Well, speaking of. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Well, Jake Dicker, you mentioned the Washington State coach. I actually, I think he's great. I think he's done an amazing job there. And I think he's got a lot of people to be upset with. Washington State and Oregon State have a lot of very justified beefs. I don't know that the beef with Lee Corso made much sense, but are you Liz in or Liz out on Jake Dicker, who's got a great team in a conference that's going to dissolve around them in a year? Jake Dicker versus the world. Are you Liz in on, on him just kind of taking on everybody scorched earth? The only people that I think should be rooting against Washington State or Oregon State are Washington or Oregon fans because that's their arch rival and you always root against them, right? Everyone Mm -hmm. else should be rooting for them with what they've gone through because it's the nightmare scenario that no one has to go through, especially fan bases like in Stillwater and in Manhattan and in some of these not you know traditionally strong college football program areas. That's the nightmare scenario. They're living it, so I'll root for them until I'm blue in the face. I'm I'm Liz in on him and Washington State and Oregon State. Plus, the Cougars and Beavers are a couple of really good. Uh, they're a couple of really good mascots. I like it. I like it. All right, finishing out on coaching beefs of the past week: Lincoln Riley versus local media uh, and reporters like Luca Evans, who was of the Orange County Register, temporarily banned for a violation of media rules that included calling the university president by her first name uh, and then was later unbanned after a phone call with Lincoln Riley. If that's all it took, then it was uh, certainly not worth the drama that came with it. But he lives in or lives out on Lincoln Riley versus local media. I mean, I guess I'm Liz out on Lincoln Riley because it's, I have, I have no qualms with how he left Oklahoma. I'm not an Oklahoma grad. I'm not, I don't call myself an Oklahoma fan. Right. Uh, the man was doing what he thought was best for his career. And I think long-term, it may end up being a better uh, situation for Oklahoma anyway. I think Brent Venables is probably a better uh, fit for the organization if things work out. But that said, Lincoln Riley's handling of the media was, I mean, nothing short of, gosh, I'm trying to think of a good word that I can use. Um, Oh, can I say douchebaggery? I think it'd be, it'd be a way to explain it. I mean, he just he just seemed like a jerk to the media um, in so many situations where he didn't have to be right. And I don't I don't like coaches who come in with that preconceived notion that the media is against them. There are some of them have that have well warranted complaints, mm-hmm. and I think you know this, Eli. Those people will one-on-one contact the people they have issues with. They'll talk it out. They'll handshake, and they'll realize that everyone's just trying to do their job the best way, right? But Lincoln Riley didn't do that. He never did that. And I think that kind of lost a lot of credibility with a lot of people around here uh, on Lincoln Riley. 
Yeah, I think well, your last point there, this could have been a phone call or all behind closed doors. And instead, it was brought out into the open and it was a pretty thin, you know, if you're trying to make the case as to why a reporter had to be suspended, this wasn't the one. This was a pretty thin um, issue. Yet they made they turned what could have been a phone call or a meeting and a easy resolution into a three day news cycle nationally. And that is where you why a team that is trying to win, a, you know, make the college football playoff needed that, got no clue. I've heard very good things. You know, I didn't cover Lincoln here. He left right before I jumped on the beat. I was in Oklahoma, in, in Stillwater uh, at the time when he left. But I've heard very good things about um, some personal interactions with media. But on the whole, I think this kind of follows a lot of what people experienced covering him here in Norman and uh, kind of stepped in it again. All right. OU, 20-point favorite over Iowa State. They've covered, I think, every game this year now. Do I have that wrong on last week? Well, it, de- it depends. They, oh, I think the looks- game timeline the game timeline last week was 13, so they covered game timeline, but early betting was at like 14 and a half, 15. So I, I guess technically, yes, they've covered four. Well, will they cover this weekend? Liz in or Liz out on that 20-point spread? I mean, I – so – when I did my picks against the spread last week, I had Cincinnati at 14 and a half and I took the Bearcats and I barely skated by in that one because I just think it's impossible to cover four or five weeks in a row for the most part. Vegas doesn't get caught up in that. Um, I, but I, I, I feel like they should beat Iowa State by three touchdowns. So I would say Liz in on covering this week for Oklahoma. I think they're going to be able to score, and I think their defense. You, we might even be getting a defensive touchdown in there, but I think the defense well, the play will be able to get. I, I would just forward. I would just say this. Sorry to interrupt you, but just remember the last game that Oklahoma barely covered it was SMU, and they didn't look good. And what they come out and do against Tulsa the next game, mm. right? I mean, that's probably the sharpest they've looked all season. So even though Oklahoma technically did cover against Cincinnati. I don't think they were very sharp in a lot of ways, right? So expect them to look better this week. It's a good point. On that note, Iowa State is allowing 292 yards a game. Can Oklahoma put up 400 on them? Do you feel like that's realistic this week? Liz in or Liz out? I, I do think that's realistic, and I think the main way it becomes realistic is because I don't think Iowa State's going to move the ball. I think Oklahoma's going to have a lot of possessions. Uh, and if they want to work fast, especially, I think this could be a game where Oklahoma could have, you know, 20, 30 more snaps than Iowa State at the end of the game just because Iowa State can't move the ball and the Sooners are going on 10, 12 play drives in three minutes. So I'm Liz in on Oklahoma getting 400 yards, and I guess I'd have to be if I think they're going to cover the 20 points, right? That's a good point. All right, on the defense, seven interceptions in the last two games. You, you like them for multiple INTs this week, Liz in, Liz out? I'm Liz in on that as well. I mean, the Beck kid at Iowa State has not been very good. I think he threw for like 110 yards against Northern Iowa this year. They scored seven points against Ohio. They It felt like they found something in Oklahoma State's defense last week uh, that they were exploiting. So I, I just I don't think he's very good, and I think the Sooners will take advantage of a couple. I think he had three touchdowns and like 334 yards against Oklahoma State. I don't know if that says more about the progression of young Rocco Becht or about Oklahoma State's defense. But uh, I think you're right. I think this – and this is a defense that's made a lot of – they've made quarterbacks uncomfortable to this point. And you've got guys – you know, I talked to Key Lawrence about it Saturday, just about the playmaking. And he said 
the difference, you know, the interception he had, the difference there is, is one year to the next. Being in this system for another year, the understanding, all that, everything going right for a lot of these returners is showing up in plays like those and they're making more plays, they're forcing more turnovers. That's where they've really looked good. I mean, they're getting stops, but it, it's, it's the playmaking, the turnover game that they didn't have that's been a real difference. Maybe it'll continue this weekend. College game day. Well, well go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, you you first. Going to Duke, first time in school history. Notre Dame headed there. You Liz in. I mean, this is, this is like a Duke question, not a Duke football question. But are you Liz in or Liz out on College Game Day being at Duke and or the general happiness of of Duke fans? Been to Cameron Indoor. I haven't been to a game there, but I've been to the campus uh, in what is it, Raleigh Durham Durham. I don't know which one it's in, but I've been to the campus of Duke University. It's kind of cool. Uh, Cameron Indoor is right there, and you walk out the main entrance, and then the football stadium is kind of underground. Like you almost kind of walk out to the top of the football stadium, and it's all right there in an area, uh, right in the middle of campus. So I would imagine it's going to be a really cool atmosphere just having been there. Do I think Duke's going to set the world on fire? No, but this is a great time early in the season for college game day to get out of the way some of those niche little niche little trips that they've never been able to do before, you know? You sidestep the, the the true question there. Do Duke fans deserve happiness? Um, are they the, are Duke football fans also Duke basketball fans? I think it's safe. I think they probably became football fans yeah, like this then, fall. Then no, they don't deserve happiness. All right, I've always been much more of a Carolina guy myself. I go both ways in either way. I don't know. I can respect both. Got some great friends who are Duke fans, and they're probably the reason I can't stand Duke. Uh, you know I love the baby blue, so. We're aligned there, but in different places. Red River, there's only one other game, uh, ranked game or, or game between ranked opponents that Saturday, October 7th. It's Missouri and LSU. Liz in or Liz out on Red River College Game Day at the Cotton Bowl on the 7th? I think they've probably already called and made hotel reservations. I, I'm Liz in on that one happening. Uh, I think it's pretty obvious that, you know, just wins, even if they're close wins, and hell, one of them might even lose. Texas might even lose this week, and uh, still that game would be on for game day. So, yeah, I, I'm Liz in on that one for sure. I think so. I think any Red River that's going to be good, which this one will be no matter what happens between now and then, it's not going to be like last year where we went in, knowing Dylan Gabriel wasn't even going to play. Game day will be there. They could be in Columbia, Missouri. Some would argue that would be the place to be. I think they'll be in Dallas. That's 12 days away, Todd. Monday, that is 12 days away, Red River. We'll have plenty more on Letterman Jacket till then. But for now, that's it. We're going to sign off here. Thank you for joining us as always. Per usual, you can find us everywhere you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, YouTube, Google, selloutcrowd.com, where we've got a lot of good shows, plenty of good writing, whole bunch of local coverage, the Thunder stuff kicking off. we got a lot going on, Todd. What are you working on this week? selloutcrowd.com slash OBI. Don't forget if you want to register for that. Uh, Bob Moore Auto Group in Oklahoma Blood Institute, Blood Drive. Uh, got a lot of things going this week. I'm going to have another uh, ranking something silly, which I'm working on. I got a couple different ones in the work, so we'll you know keep that you know a little bit of a secret which one's going to be this week. And the main thing I'm working on this week is a uh, couple of projects. Again, I don't want to give away too much, uh, but a couple of interview projects, and then maybe a little bit of a, a little bit of fun little game show project that we can do here at SelloutCrowd.com. We love Big Picture Todd, and I think that's the hat you're throwing on. So excited to see what you got coming. We're gonna have a whole lot more good coming. 
at selloutcrowd.com. Go visit selloutcrowd.com slash OBI. And we'll be back on the Letterman Jacket later this week. Come say bye, Bear. Come on, <laughs> Bubba. Come say bye. Come on. There he is, everyone. Bye. Bye.